Being involved in basketball is nothing new for Lindsay Harding. She played the sport for over two decades and has competed at the highest of levels. But after calling it a career a year and a half ago, she had to figure out what was next. Ultimately, she landed a scouting opportunity with the 76ers. I felt lucky enough that they saw something in me and really wanted something different. It wasn't just, oh, you're a woman and you're here. It's you've done things that most of these guys haven't done. And we want to know with your experience, you know, how you see things. Armed with that well-rounded perspective, Harding has hit the ground running, spending a ton of time on the road and trying to do what scouts do, evaluate and gather information that could eventually benefit her organization. Half of my job has to do with intel. You just never know. It could be something so small that can make a big difference in decisions. Harding's story, and now she's learning a new part of the game on this episode of the broadcast. What's up out there, 76ers podcast people? Hope everything is going well. My name is Brian Seltzer. Really looking forward to, A, having you back and listening to this edition of the podcast if you are a return listener. B, thrilled if this is your first time. And C, most of all, really excited to bring you a conversation with a phenomenal basketball player and now new addition to the 76ers family, Lindsey Harding, hired as a scout by the Sixers over the summer. Before we bring on Lindsay, a reminder that to subscribe to the podcast, all you got to do is find our feeds on any number of places. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Pocket Casts, pretty much any podcasting platform that is out there. All you got to do is search Sixers Podcast Network. That will take you to our feed. And then, please, do subscribe. Lindsay Harding, let's quickly run through some cliff notes of her biography and then bring her on to talk more about her career and what it's been and where she now sees it possibly heading. Played at Duke, graduated in 2007, number one pick in that year's WNBA draft, a well-rounded two-way point guard who made the WNBA all-rookie team her first year, was a Naismith College Basketball Player of the Year, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association Defensive Player of the Year after a senior season at Duke. And in addition to playing in the WNBA for a decade, she also spent extensive time overseas, which ultimately led to an opportunity for her to play for the Belarus Women's National Team. And she had a spot in the Olympics in 2016 in Brazil. So that's the thumbnail sketch on Lindsay Harding. Now we'll bring her on to talk more about how her career has helped put her on a path towards joining the 76ers Basketball Operations Department in the role of a scout who's been covering a little bit of everything. Rare is it, Lindsay, for a scout to have an opportunity to be situated, even if only for a brief moment, on home base. So as we're talking right now, what brings you to Camden in the Philadelphia area just passing through over the course of kind of think a very busy time of year for you? I think everyone missed me. Uh, every time I come back, I get so many hugs. Uh, I'm a hugger anyway. Uh, no, just been busy on the road um, watching all these teams. And, you know, I live here now. And it's funny because everyone asks me, how, how do you like Philadelphia? I'm like, you know what? I'm not here long enough to get a good feel of it. So whenever I can and get back, um, I do come in and just kind of reconnect with everybody. That's the main point of all of this is, you know, being able to have conversations, maybe have some meetings if I need to. And then uh, after a couple of days, I go back out there. Well, let's get first things straight first. 
Are the 76ers a hugging organization? That would well, be something yeah. new to me. Well, you know, know what? I think because I don't know. Look, I don't know if guys just run around and hug each other. <laughs> <laughs> but me, I'm from the South. I'm a hugger. Uh, I come in and uh, I and it's been a while. It's not like okay, if I saw you every day, I'm not going to hug you every day. But there's some people that I really literally haven't seen probably in a month because when I come, they're gone. So when I see them, it's a big little reconnection hug and then uh, then we go my first inclination is to ask what your day-to-day is like but I almost think it might make more sense like what's your week-to-week like Mm -hmm. given how much you're on the road and just what what goes into your schedule what is it like give us a sample um well uh, I'm I'm learning you know this is my first time trying to do uh, plan my own schedule and I remember the first first month you know we try to plan at least a month in advance I was excited like I had a game all the time and everyone <laughs> looked at me they're like slow down you're gonna understand what we're talking about so I tried to do three to four games on uh, a couple days maybe off um, two maybe three off we'll see and just kind of do that over and over um, so I can have back-to-back games you know I can have a Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday maybe even a Friday then I'll have Saturday Sunday off or I may have a Monday Wednesday Thursday Friday it just it it depends on the schedule and who we're trying to see and uh, so get up in the morning and um, well it depends if there was a game tonight before if there was a game tonight before get up the next morning fly to the next city once you get there that's when I probably get a lot of work done during the day then you get to the arena about two hours before the game that's when your job kind of starts and watch the game, go to sleep, and you do it all over again. When I first started doing this job, I was traveling maybe 75, 80% of the road games. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I had absolutely zero idea what type of toll it was going to take is just the notion of constant travel. It seems very easy on the outside, especially when you take into account, well, the team travels on these very nice oh. Supremo outfit oh, planes yeah. and you stay in the hotels the team stays at. You don't have that type of life, no. first of all. <laughs> no. yeah, but then just constantly being on the move, it's, it's not just a mental drain. There's a physical side of it, too. It is. Um, it really makes a difference the time that you're flying. <laughs> I repeat that. The time that you're flying makes a difference. So if I'm flying on a 10, 11 o'clock flight, I'm pretty good because I got a good night's sleep and I can I can go. And sometimes there are times where you have to take that 6 o'clock because that's the only one, which means you're getting up at 4 when the night before the game was over at like 11 and you ate, by the time you got to bed, you got maybe three or four hours and you have to just kind of go with it. So that's why when I'm on about three or four games, I take those two days off because I want to sleep in and catch up and be healthy and uh, and just be good. If I'm not sleeping well, if I'm not healthy, I'm not going to do my job, you know, well. So it's a little difficult, but I'm getting used to it now. Now I'm kind of understanding it and getting in my own rhythm, and uh, now I'm much more comfortable. There's a lot of stuff that I'd like to touch upon over the course of this interview. Obviously, you had a phenomenal playing career, um, really excellent at the college and pro level, and before that, obviously. Um, But I want to try and fill in some gaps first. So you retired from the WNBA end of the 2016 2016 season. Went over to Turkey. Went overseas to play. And then what was in between after Turkey and joining the 76ers? What was going on then? What were the type of things you were looking into? And then how ultimately did you land with the 76ers? So I finished in 2016 the WNBA, then went overseas because that's what we all do. We go WNBA overseas and just back and forth. Played in Turkey. 
Istanbul, came back in May of 2017 and was done. So I took four months and just vacationed. I was on any beach I could <laughs> and just vacationed. But um, I um, spent time. I went to Summer League that summer and tried to reconnect with a lot of people. I knew I wanted to be in the NBA. I didn't know exactly like in what capacity, but I knew that I had a lot of relationships and um, wanted to just talk to people and have guidance and mentors and see what they kind of suggest. And while I was there, um, uh, Bethany Donovan, who works at the NBA League office, was telling me about a program that they have. They just started a year before for former players who want to uh, get in the office and like the league office and understand that and I thought it would be a great opportunity so I interviewed for that and had that opportunity it's called the basketball operations associates program so I had to pack up everything and move to New York City uh, live there it's a, it was about a year program and you got a chance to kind of rotate throughout the different departments within basketball operations from referee uh, data analytics to you know CBA salary cap just everything to get an understanding and it also helps with the transition from playing of you know what what exact what direction do I really want to go and while I was there the one thing I can tell you is at least for now I, I really didn't want to be in that office 24-7 and I really wanted to work with the team I missed that competitiveness I missed you know my team and so I from there you know I someone who has relationships with a lot of people and I can talk to anybody <laughs> I do and you know I, I talk to different teams and organizations about you know getting my foot in the door and uh, trying to help with with my next career and I had an opportunity here I interviewed uh, for this position here for Philly and uh, I felt lucky enough that they you know saw something in me that I can help you know so it's it's great and I know that they are definitely invested and um really wanted something different you know and it, it wasn't just oh you're a woman and you're here it's you've done things that most of these guys haven't done and we want to know with your experience you know how you see things what were some of those things Did they ever tell you the people that you interviewed with what some of those distinguishing qualities were i mean i i think with my experience in europe for being you know one going back and forth with the WNBA. i mean when we're in europe we're there for seven eight months and you're not on this resort, you're living, you have a car, you have a grocery store, you live and you learn different cultures and all the different coaches I've played for and the different styles, the different environments, just everything. Uh, and then also transitioning back to the WNBA. Um, I had a chance to play for a national team, Belarus national team, and uh, played with them. So all of those experiences together and how I see things, if I never played it in Europe, I would definitely not see the game that I see it in the way I see it now how so can you elaborate on that a little bit it's it's just different um it's just different I, I feel in Europe the fours and fives were shooting threes kind of before we were you know and they wanted they wanted the bigs to come because they didn't have bigs that were going to play down low and, and post you up you know so they were kind of already already doing that um this is a style of play can be different their practicing is different you know if you look at the nba team as the season goes on there's not a ton of practice you know after 80 something games these guys are tired right they have to focus but you still want to get things in in europe they will still practice you <laughs> two a days in the playoffs if they need to or if they feel it. It's, it's just different. But there are a lot of things that I did learn 
um, from there, things that I liked, things that I didn't like, um, but also just seeing, and also different talent too, different players I've played with that some are not, you would look at and you'd say, oh, they're not a great athlete, they're not this and that, but how do they keep ending with 20 and 10? There's something about this, this player that makes them good and really like focusing on that too. Was it always going to be personnel for you? Was there ever a chance we could have seen Lindsey Harding and black and white striped shirt, black pants, being a referee? I know, right? I, I had that uh, kind of come in my head. I had some people um, kind of talk to me about that opportunity of, of doing that. And, of course, coming from the court, running, that sounded like fun and great and until everyone's booing you and uh, coming at you. And <laughs> it, no, it's, I, I think it's amazing. When I had that time in the league office and saw after every game how much, the, I mean, there's a person that sits and reviews eight hours of that one game. Do they do this right? Is this a correct call? Is it not? It's crazy what these refs kind of go through. And people don't know. People just see them out there and they disagree with the call and they do all this stuff. You don't know that these, these men and women, women now, are the best at what they do just like the players are. And to get to that level and to, you know, it's just amazing. But I don't think I really have that. I like all positive. Let's just put it that way. I like all positive. And every time you walk in, it's like as a referee, they just see the jersey and you're not a person. You are against us. As a point guard, you probably had to view the game a certain way, and you did it at a very elite level. When you were playing, and I don't know if it ever got to a point in your career when you started thinking what would happen after the career was all said and done, um, did you start looking at other players differently? Did you find yourself evaluating talent while you were out there playing on the court? Um, or, and how has that uh, informed what you're doing now, and how is what you're doing now a different way of looking at the game? I, I think... I mean, as a player and as a point guard, you know personnel, right? You you have to know who you're playing. Of course, your coaches have always given you a scouting report, and you know. And you also have to do it on the floor. Like, if I know someone is amazing at going left and taking a jump shot, I'm not going to let them go left, right? So you, you, you notice certain trends or certain things that people do over and over. You know what I mean? You know they're kind of bread and butter moves. So you, you learn that and know that. But when I was playing, I didn't just say I'm going to focus on personnel. I was thinking more of, and I and I said this before in a lot of my interviews. It's 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 relationships. It's help in that that next direction and and what that next career. And about four or so, five four years ago, I had the opportunity to be an assistant coach in summer league with the Raptors, and I was still playing, but I had that opportunity, and it was a great experience. And that's what really pushed me to, you know what, I really would love to try to have a career in the NBA. So it, it was more, you know, how can I get these experiences? How can I gain these relationships? I'm on the women's side, but I don't know these guys. I don't know these coaches. I don't know the GMs. How can I try to get there when I can? So I spent a lot of time there doing that when I was in Summer League. And again, I told you I went back to Summer League after I finished to see if I can get any opportunities. I think almost as tried and true as it is coaches warming up players on a court, part of the pregame rituals, at least in NBA circles, is seeing personnel people and scouts chatting on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. What are those chats like? What are they about? What are you finding and learning that they're about? And is there like I, I always – because I, I try to observe. Like is there a certain language that, that scouts speak that, that you found or anything like that? I mean, 
I realize I start seeing the same people everywhere, you know, and if, <laughs> and then how the games work, you, they may be on the same trip with you and maybe on the same flight. You never know. Um, it, I mean, it's interesting because for me, especially now it's, developing those relationships you know it's getting to know these people who they are their background um their their path and how they got to where they were so like for me a lot of it is that and from that you just you know you can chit chat about anything right half of my job is has to do with intel and information that i can get that i feel will be useful for us so and it doesn't necessarily have to be about the teams that you're watching they may just say hey did you hear about this i'm like no and it's like, whoa, that's information. Let me bring that back and see if anyone else heard that. And, you know, is there any truth to it? Or if you're watching a certain player and, um, you know, you, you may ask this another scout, hey, what do you think about this guy? And especially some of these scouts who do college because they've been watching this guy f forever. And it's really good to hear other people's opinion. And But the biggest thing, too, is trying to get, you know, talk to coaches or other players or other personnel there. Um and just see, because you just, you just never know. It could be something so small that can make a big difference in decisions with organizations. As you said, and I'm learning, and I'm learning that. Well, and it's got to be such a fascinating process to try and, I would think, figure out how to judge what good information and good intelligence is. Mm -hmm. Is that part of it, too, where everything you're taking in, I'd have to assume people know who you are, who you work for. Is it kind of like judge it with a grain of salt? Or how do you evaluate information that you get? Well, for one, if you – that's why relationships are big, right? So if I really know someone and I have a great relationship with them and this and this, they're more likely to tell you the really good stuff right? The really good stuff that you're like, wow, some of it, some of it, I may not know. I may not know how true it is. I may not know if it's like hearsay. I, I don't know. But for me and, you know, with my organization, like I, I'll bring it back and say, what do you think about that? Or, or is this crazy? Or, uh, you know, and you talk to people and, and obviously we have other scouts too. And it's kind of like, what do you know about this and this and that? And you just kind of like talk amongst each other. Um, and we just kind of hold tight <laughs> with each other. But that's kind of what you do is you bring it back. Because I never know. It could be something small. It could be something not. And I just ask. Who are some of the people internally that you found yourself leaning on getting adjusted? Uh, well, Vince Rosman, uh, main guy. He's the one that I probably ask everything to uh probably like too much <laughs> like so what about this um uh, another guy he's a scout he came in with me uh jr holden he's been in the league around the league for years and he's another great one i mean he's been doing this for years so for me to you know come in as a scout how do you approach this um when you want to talk about this how do you start a conversation in that way and how do you because you don't ever want to be someone that comes in and is like hi i'm Lindsay. so and you like you know that's kind of rude it's got to be some icebreakers right you know it's rude like because people have done it to me and i don't know if they think oh she's a newbie she's gonna tell us everything we want no we don't do this but i'm just saying it's been good to have that um and other like rod baker another one i went on a trip with him he does our uh, mainly um college went on a trip with him to north carolina i went to see of course my blue devils and uh, some other teams and i got a chance to see how he did it um jordan cohen has been a scout i mean 
I can't even tell you how many years, but I went on my first trips with him. He does pro personnel as well, so he can help me get the lay of the land and what to do. So everyone's been very, very helpful. How comfortable are you feeling a couple months into this thing? Oh, I'm much more comfortable now. Um, before it was, you know, every organization, you at least want to know somebody there, right? That's the whole point when you're traveling. But And I do, but there have been some that I, I didn't know anyone. I might have known a player or two, but they're warming up and they're playing. It's on the outside. I, I may not know anyone. And you have to walk in and get to know people and, you know, be able to get to know them and, and see where it goes. But again, like I said, sometimes you see the same scouts around. And everyone, not even just my organization, other scouts have been very helpful. If I'm sitting there talking and a coach comes up that I don't know, they do an introduction. And it's just easy. So we kind of like help each other out because we're all there for the same thing. Everyone knows that. You're a scout. We know what you're here for. <laughs> I always wonder when talking to someone who's one of the first of some type of person to be doing something, how much value to place in that narrative. It's easy on the outside for someone who can't identify with that, like myself, that like, wow, this is a pretty cool story. Second WNBA player to ever be a full-time scout in the NBA. But how much does that matter to you? How, how do you view that, and what context do you put all that in? Um, it's, it's, it's awesome when, you know, I've had some, I've had some interviews before, and um, they talk about that. And they're like, oh, you're doing this. And I also had another interview before, and they're like, I think you're the first black woman to do it. And that was something else, too. That's like, oh, that's awesome. Um, you want to be great at your job because you want the person that's going to come next to not have to, you know, come on, what if I was horrible and lazy and didn't want to do anything? It's going to be horrible. How are they going to want to hire someone else outside of the box again, right? So I feel the same with, with Becky Hammond that you have to be great at what you do. You have to be a professional. You have to just, like I said, be great because you're setting the tone. And um, and I feel that, especially what she's doing, she is because she's out there. I feel the same for me as well. It's like, you know, there's not many of us out here scouting. So there could be another player. There could be a, a woman that has never played but want to get in it. And it's like, you know what, let me – hopefully do well, keep my great, great reputation, um, and it can be easier for the next. And then it won't be so-and-so hired a female this. It'll just be, here's the new scouts. Because that's always what I wondered. Is it in some ways diminish the fact that, like, yeah, the Philadelphia 76ers are this big operation, and they're obviously at a very high level. Mm. They probably hired you mostly because you're great at what you do, <laughs> and you have a proven track record of being involved in the field of basketball. And there are other qualities that obviously put you in front of them and made them want to hire you. So I always, I never well, know that, how to frame well, those questions. Well, that's you know? well, that's 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 it, and and I don't want it to be. Well, they mostly hired you for that. No, that's why they hired me, and that's why with my interviews and the conversations that I've had, I had with them too. I brought this up. I, you know, I, I brought this up. I said, I know it's like I'm a woman and this and that. And they're like, yeah, we see that. But, you know, you've had an experience and have done this and this that most of our people haven't had. And we want you to bring in. We feel that it's going to be different, unique. It's going to help us. And, um, that's what you want it to be focused on. And I think it's great. Like, if you walk around the office, this organization has a lot of women in here. 
you know we have a lot more I mean there were some when I came and I traveled and I came back and there's more and um, they're big into that you know and I think it's great awesome um, I would be remiss if I didn't get into some Duke stuff at the very least. How much Duke chatter is there around these parts? Or maybe not even chatter, you but know, just uh, that fraternal feeling of Cameronosity and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, it's great to be here with JJ. Me and JJ came in at the same time. We were freshmen at the same time at Duke. I was going to say, all, all yeah. your years, you yeah. directly overlap. Yeah, right? with so he still looks the same. He's still taking those same shots, still running, working hard. Um, I feel like he has not aged uh, but uh, it was great to see him. He he told me when he saw me, we were eating lunch. He was like, I was so excited. I was like, <laughs> she's coming. Of course, it's great to have uh, Elton here. Um, he was the first one that I interviewed with uh, when I was interviewing for the job here, and it was great to kind of talk to him and him being a former player as well and pretty new from like newly retired. It was just really good to have that, that conversation because it is different. You know, it's different from being on the floor to completely changing to this. So it, it's great. And it's not just here. It's around the league. Everyone, you know, all us Blue Devils kind of, I don't want to say stick together. They call it a brotherhood, but I've been the one that's kind of slipped into, in the, you know, in the NBA. So, like, they take me in as well. And, um, and of course, when we talk about things, you know, the Duke team now is pretty good. Pretty good. So we're proud of that. <laughs> Uh, did you and Elton have any prior interactions? Did you cross paths before? We did. You know, I was with the league office, and, you know, he was the G League GM, and there was just a couple times that we would just finally, when we'd see each other, whether it's at the, you know, I think he was, was he at the Combine or he was at the Showcase in Toronto last year, and we got, a you know, a chance to really, like, talk. And I think I even asked him then, like, how are you adjusting and how are you liking things? Because at that time, it was like a year out, you know? How are you? And he loved it. He loved it. I, you know, and now he's where he's at. So I'm just trying to get on his path, <laughs> his path, and then kind of learn the way he has. A couple of quick hitters about your career. When did you know that you were going to be a number one pick. Did you have any idea going into that year's draft that, that you were going to be the top pick? Well, going in the draft, um, that year, I mean, my senior year, you were up. I mean, I was up for all the different awards, right? And you got um, a pretty good number of them too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I knew because I think it was a day or two before the draft, I had gotten on the phone with. See, it's different here. They don't bring you in a lot and do everything with a W. It's different. Uh, but I got on the phone with a coach. Um, at the time, it was a San Antonio Stars. They're now in Vegas. And they had the two pick. And he said, if you're left at two, I'm taking you. So I was like, one or two. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad, one or two. So that's kind of when I kind of knew, and then just the day of, it's just nerves, and you're just anxious, and you just just want to know what you're doing, where you're going, and kind of that time is finally here, that time that I wanted since I was 12. It's like finally here. And for us, it's not like I'm going at 19. We go after college. So I have four years. I was in my 20s a little bit and, and you know, had that moment. Favorite teammate story from your time in the WNBA? favorite teammate story gosh um i can say this instead of teammate story let's just say favorite season mm -hmm. and my favorite season was i had 
left. I was at DC. I was in DC playing for the Mystics, but I signed to play for Atlanta. And when I got there, it was this big deal. They had all this stuff. Oh, Lindsey Harding's coming, point guard. We're gonna do all this. And Atlanta was good. They were good. They did well. And I got there. The first nine games were zero and nine. <laughs> we were zero and nine. And everyone, then all of a sudden, you know, it changed. Well, she's not that good. She brought this as negative, And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And we, we weren't getting killed. It was like one or two possessions losing. And I'm like, God, we're right here. Then all of a sudden, we went on a tear. We went all the way. We went to the finals that year. We didn't win. And we probably shouldn't have because we weren't as talented as the team that won. But it, it says a lot. I, I always remember that. I always remember that when there's slow starts, when maybe you're at 500, when you're not maybe playing your best basketball. Um, it's also how you lose, too. And that's what's important. You have to watch, you know, are we getting blown out? Did we have chances to win? That's learning opportunities. Um, those are what's really important because that experience for me that's one or two possessions. That's a mistake I could have made by calling this play or not doing this or miss rebound or miss free throws. That's something. And once you realize that and we kind of figure that out, you can go. So I always remember that. And I'll flip that question around. Were there any one or handful of players who you felt like you learned and benefited from going up against that taught you a lot about yourself, about the game? Um, gosh, there were a lot of players. Um, I think one player in particular that sticks out – uh, Tamika Catchings, who's now with, uh, in, well, she's still in Indiana, but with the Pacers. Uh, she was someone who has always been an all-star, has always been probably the greatest since she's picked up a ball. She can score, but she had the same effort and love on defense. Like, she sacrificed her body all the time, taking charges. She guarded the best player. How often do you see the best offensive player on the team guarding the best offensive player on the other team? You very rarely see that in the NBA. Because <laughs> they rather get the points up. They don't want to get them in foul trouble. Like she I'm trying was, to do an inventory yeah, in my mind right now. Yeah. Of, so of she who was that would like, be. and it was just kind of like we knew she would never not guard a Diana Taurasi or not guard, you know, any of the better players. No, she's going to guard them, and she's also going to give you about 25, 30. <laughs> she's going to do that. And so and uh, she she just had that effort. But I just remember playing against her. Now, we weren't the same position. There were a couple times I had to get switched on her, which was horrible. But uh, And there were times she would, you know, guard me. She was very smart, knew the game. But I loved that about her. She wasn't like, I'm just going to do this and, and score. I'm great at this. She's like, no, I'm going to score and I'm going to get down because – that's one thing I've learned about defense. I learned it from her. When you sacrifice your body, when you're out there, I'm going to guard the best player. That's heart, right? That's heart, and she always had it. And I will always remember that from her. Well, ended on this, it sounds like while you seem to very much have had a plan over the course of your career and your life, also there's this side where it sounds like you're willing to go with the flow and take the path where it takes you. Mm -hmm. um, do you set a vision um, looking out into the future? Do you have mile markers that you would like to reach in terms of whatever the long goal is for you? I mean, it's, it's so interesting. You know, in the NBA, there's no, like, exact path. You don't go to ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. Like, some people just go straight to 12th grade. <laughs> and then others, you just have to go. So... For me, and how I'm, I'm taking this is, and like you said, one step at a time, I looked at, at this opportunity of being a scout, and Brown was a scout, and he's a head coach. Um, 
someone else, you know, I, I told you I, I, I did some summer league stuff before with the Raptors years ago and their GM was a scout. And so I feel that this is a great opportunity to learn what everyone does, how they do it, and see what opportunities I have next. So that's where I'm at. Well put. Great stuff. Lindsay Harding, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Awesome. Getting to know Lindsay Harding and hear a little bit more firsthand about her story. To read more about Lindsay and her journey, certainly not someone who has been boxed in, bad pun, but appropriate, uh, I feel, over the course of her life, especially in basketball, you can head to Sixers.com and check out a feature we wrote on Lindsay as well called Learning a New Game. So that's up on the website and on the 76ers social platforms. If it's not yet, it will be soon. Thanks, Lindsay Harding, for taking a chunk out of her day a few weeks ago to record that conversation. Thanks to you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time here on the broadcast. See you.